board the story train. Find a comfy seat. We're about to leave the station. And you know what that means. We're going someplace new. I'm Birdie, the keeper of the story train. I wear a green baseball cap with a little white birdie on the front and my favorite overalls. That's the sound of two whistles. And that means we're headed for the rainbow tunnel that will take us far, far away. I wonder where the story train will lead us this time. Here comes the end of the tunnel. We've arrived at our destination and it looks like a dry and barren landscape with one long road right down the middle. This road runs through the state of Texas and today we're going to meet an armadillo with a little bit of a problem to solve. This story is called The Road and the Armadillo. Sally was an armadillo who lived on one side of a long road. It was the drier side of the road, which suited Sally just fine. She liked dry places full of dust and rocks and sagebrush. Her best friends were bird, gopher, and spider, who also lived on the drier side of the road. On this particular morning, they all gathered next to the big rock to talk about the exciting day ahead. Today, we're going across the road, said Bird, so we can see the flowers growing by the pond. I'm very excited about the pond, said Gopher. I might even go for a swim. Gophers don't swim, said Spider, and spiders definitely don't swim. But I am excited to see the pond up close and the flowers. Bird said, I'm going to fly right into the water so I can wash all the dust off my feathers. Are you excited to see the pond up close, Sally? asked Gopher. Just then, a car raced past, and then another, and another. Cars were driving in both directions, and Sally the Armadillo was not fond of cars. I've never been across the road, said Sally. I'm a slow walker, and the cars are going very fast. How would I get across? You could fly across, like this, said Bird. Bird flew up into the air, over the road, and over the cars racing past, and landed on a tree on the other side. See, yelled Bird from the other side of the road, all you have to do is fly on over here. But Sally wasn't so sure. Armadillos can't fly, yelled Sally. At least... I don't think they can fly. Sally waved her front paws back and forth as fast as she could, but she didn't fly. Nope, said Sally. I can't fly. Another car zoomed by, and Sally hid behind the big rock. Don't worry, Sally, said Gopher. I know how you can get across the road. You can go under the road. All you have to do is dig. And with that, Gopher began to dig. Gopher dug right under the road, all the way across, and popped out on the other side. I'm across the road, yelled Gopher. I'm also across the road, said Bird. A car raced by, and then another. Sally stood on her side of the road 
and looked at the opening to the tunnel Gopher had dug. Armadillos can't dig, yelled Sally. At least, I don't think I can dig. Sally dug with her little paws, but soon she found she was too big and her paws were too small to dig all the way under the road. Nope, said Sally. I can't dig all the way over there. Don't worry, Sally. I know how you can get across the road, said Spider. And then Spider climbed up the side of a tree and weaved a web that danced in the wind over the road. The web danced and danced. It got longer and longer, and then it stuck to a tree on the other side. Spider began tiptoeing across the web as the cars whooshed by below. Soon, Spider was on the other side. I am across the road, yelled Spider. I am also across the road, yelled Gopher. Me too, yelled Bird. Sally stood on her side of the road and thought about the spider web. I can't spin a web, yelled Sally. At least, I don't think I can spin a web. Sally looked down at her paws and wished and wished she could spin a web. But nothing happened. Nope, I can't spin a web, said Sally. Cars whooshed by from both directions. It appeared, by all accounts, that Sally the armadillo would never see the flowers that sprung up around the pond on the other side of the road. Sally sat down and began feeling a little bit sad. She was happy for her friends because they got to go to the pond, but she was sad that she couldn't go along with them. And then Sally heard an unexpected sound. It was Bird chirping in the tree overhead on Sally's side of the road. I came back, said Bird, because I'm happier when you're nearby. But I took a good swim beforehand, and now my feathers are bright and clean. Thank you, Bird, said Sally. Then Sally heard another unexpected sound. Gopher was climbing out of her hole on the same side of the road where Sally and Bird were. I came back too, said Gopher. I'm much happier over here by this big fancy rock. Plus, my friends are here. Thank you, Gopher, said Sally. I missed you while you were gone. Then Sally saw, but did not hear, Spider tiptoeing across the spiderweb coming towards her. And Spider was carrying something. Down the tree, Spider came. I came back, said Spider. I'm happier over here with you, Sally. Thank you, Spider, said Sally. What's that you've carried over to this side of the road? It's a flower, of course, said Spider. Sally gasped. She had never seen a flower up close before. I brought one too, said Bird. Me too, said Gopher. You all brought me a flower, asked Sally. We sure did, said Bird. A white one, a blue one, and a yellow one. Now you have a whole collection of flowers. The four friends planted the three flowers next to the big rock, and Sally was happy. We're going to need water, said Bird. I'll get it. I'll help, said Gopher. 
and I'll climb up onto the flowers and keep them company while you're gone, said Spider. And just like that, Sally's friends were flying and tunneling across the road once more. But this time, Sally was perfectly happy to stay by the flowers and the big rock with her friend Spider. We have flowers, said Sally. She was very happy. We do indeed, said Spider. The story train is rolling on, past the long road, and the three flowers and the four friends. Make sure you're all tucked into your seat. It's back to Pflugerville for us. Story Train is leaving the station. Find a comfy seat. We're about to leave. And you know what that means. We're going someplace new. I'm Birdie, the keeper of the Story Train. I wear a green baseball cap with a little white birdie on the front and my favorite overalls. There goes the sound of two whistles. We're on the move, headed for the rainbow tunnel that will take us far far away. I wonder where the story train will lead us this time. Here comes the end of the tunnel. We've arrived at our destination, and this time we haven't left Pflugerville at all. We're just on the far end of town, where there's a big red barn. And inside the barn? Well, there's a very interesting story inside the big red barn. Come on, let's go see what we can find. This story is called Kapow the Pygmy Goat. A long time ago, in a strange little town called Pflugerville, a baby was adopted by two loving parents. The parents were, well, Let's just say they were a tiny bit unusual. Both were very bright and very creative and very independent. And the baby, who they named Lucy, thrived in such an inventive home. For you see, Lucy was also very smart, creative, and independent. So much so that by the time she was 11 years old, Everyone in Pflugerville called her Lucy Wow. They called her this because she was an inventor, and the things she invented had quite a bit of wow in them. And the most wow thing Lucy invented? Its name was Kapow, and it was a mechanical pygmy goat. Lucy spent weeks and weeks and weeks building Kapow in the big red barn which was also her inventing space. The big red barn was filled with parts from the local junkyard, like old bicycle wheels, gears, motors, wires, and electronics, things that were cast aside by people who apparently didn't know you could use them to invent all sorts of amazing things. First, she built Kapow's body. Kapow was built out of scrap metal, old nuts and bolts, gears, belts, and pulleys. Then, she built Kapow's brain. Kapow's brain 
was made from a melted-down hubcap, some old wires, and the computer chips from a broken laptop. Lucy plugged Kapow into a wall socket, and then she waited as Kapow powered up. The powering up took several days, as if Kapow were like a real pygmy goat getting ready to arrive in the world. And then, at precisely 3.26 p.m. on the third day, Kapow opened their eyes. They blinked, and then... Miracle of miracles, Kapow spoke. Hello, my name is Kapow, Kapow said. Who are you? I'm Lucy, Lucy said. I invented you, don't you remember? I'd completely forgotten, said Kapow. But I'm glad I have an inventor, and I'm glad it's you. I'm glad too, said Lucy. Lucy walked around the barn and Kapow followed her everywhere. What's that? Kapow said as they looked at a golf ball. It's a golf ball, said Lucy. Can I eat it? asked Kapow. Lucy was just about to say no, but then Kapow ate the golf ball. It bounced down into Kapow's stomach with a funny echoing sound. Luckily, Lucy Wow had a key for unlocking Kapow's stomach, so she unlocked the stomach with the key pulled back the little metal door, and took the golf ball out. Just as she was doing this, Kapow ate a sock. Lucy took the sock out, too. Kapow, Lucy said. Yes, Lucy, said Kapow. Try not to eat things in the barn, said Lucy. Kapow nodded its mechanical head, and then it ate a flip-flop. I guess eating weird things is part of how I made you, said Lucy. Kapow would have said they agreed, but they were trying to eat a car tire. How about you help me build this canoe car, said Lucy. A canoe car, said Kapow, who thought this sounded very exciting. What's a canoe car? It's a canoe that I'm turning into a car, said Lucy. I don't know what any of that means, but okay, said Kapow. How can I help? Let's see, said Lucy. Bring me a hammer. I will bring you a hammer, said Kapow, and they ran off into the barn. A moment later, Kapow returned. I have brought you this hammer, said Kapow. That's a banana, said Lucy Wow. Hang on, I can do this, said Kapow, and then Kapow ran away again. Pretty soon, Kapow was back. Here is your banana, said Kapow. I think I asked for a hammer, said Lucy. Also, this is a bicycle seat. You're welcome, said Kapow. It appears I've programmed you to grab all the wrong things, said Lucy. Let's try this. Bring me a boot. I will bring you a boot, said Kapow. And then Kapow ran away. Soon Kapow was back. I have brought you a boot, said Kapow. This is a hammer, said Lucy Wow. It's perfect. You're welcome, said Kapow. Over time, Lucy Wow learned that for Kapow, a boot was actually a hammer, a watermelon was actually a wrench, and a wheelbarrow was obviously a screwdriver. In this way, they learned to speak a sort of language that Kapow could understand 
and Kapow became very useful to Lucy Wow. But that wasn't the most important thing Kapow brought into Lucy's life. You know what, Kapow? asked Lucy Wow. What? asked Kapow. I think you're my best friend, said Lucy. I'm very glad I made you. That makes two of us, said Kapow. The story train is rolling on, past the big red barn and back to the train station. Make sure you're all tucked into your train seat. And if you want to hear all sorts of stories about Lucy Wow and Kapow, search for Lucy Wow wherever you get your podcasts. They're waiting for you at the big red barn. Come back again. The story train is always on its way to somewhere far, far away. It's me, Birdie. I'm the conductor of the story train. I wear a green baseball cap with a little white birdie on the front and my favorite overalls. Find a comfy seat. We're about to leave the station. And you know what that means. We're going someplace new. There goes the sound of two whistles. We're on the move, headed for the rainbow tunnel that will take us far far away. I wonder where the story train will lead us this time. Here comes the end of the tunnel. We've arrived at our destination and we're rolling on the tracks past a farmhouse in a big field. There are horses here and fields of golden wheat almost ready for harvest. And sitting on the tire swing Hanging from a tree in the front yard of the farmhouse is a boy named George. George is reading a book as the sun goes down on a warm summer day. This story is called Dragons Don't Sleep. George knew it was time for bed, but he thought maybe if he stayed in the tire swing that hung from the tree, his mom would forget to tell him it was time to go to sleep. George was very busy with his book, and going to bed was the last thing he wanted to do. For you see, George loved dragons, and the book he held in his hands was all about dragons. The book was filled with adventures and ideas, but mostly it was filled with pictures. I'm a dragon, George whispered into the cool night air rolling into the yard. He looked out over the field of gold wheat waving in the soft breeze and imagined himself flying. Unfortunately for George, his mom never forgot about bedtime. He heard her soft footsteps approaching, but it didn't matter. He was flying over the field of gold. Hey, little partner, said George's mom. Time to hit the hay. I would if I could, said George. But dragons don't sleep, and I'm a dragon. Really now, said George's mom, I didn't know that. When did you become a dragon? Oh, I've always been a dragon, said George. And dragons don't sleep, George's mom asked. 
Nope, said George. They fly and have adventures. There's no time for sleep when you're a dragon. I see, said George's mom. Well, since you're a dragon and dragons don't sleep, how about I tell you a story about a dragon? Really, said George, excited that he wasn't going to bed. Let me just get all settled in here, said George's mom, who sat down and rested her back against the big tree. If it's okay with you, I'm going to keep flying while you tell the story, said George. He imagined he was circling high overhead, above the big tree. Fine by me, said George's mom. Are you ready to hear the story? I'm ready, said George. Once upon a time, in a magical kingdom far, far away, there lived a small dragon, George's mom began. This little dragon wasn't much older than you, and it loved nothing more than to fly. The little dragon's mother flew right next to the little dragon, just to make sure everything was safe. I don't fly with my mom, said George. I fly solo. Well, this little dragon flew all day until the sun began to set. Its mother said it was time to go home and get ready for bed, but the little dragon refused. It flapped its papery little wings faster and faster, pulling away from its mother and off toward the big mountains. George thought this sounded exciting, but he started to worry about the little dragon. I hope the little dragon is okay, said George. The little dragon flew and flew up over the mountains and down into a green valley with a blue lake shaped like an egg. It flew all around the lake and passed down a valley filled with shadows. Night was coming, but still the little dragon flew on. The little dragon is getting awfully far from home, said George. What happened next? Well, this little dragon flew so far, they flew right to the edge of the kingdom, to the very edge of the world. The edge of the world, asked George, but the world is round. Not in this kingdom. In this kingdom, the world has an edge where it falls away into the stars. Did the little dragon keep going, asked George. And then George yawned as he sat in the tire swing that hung from the big tree. The little dragon did keep flying all the way out to the over the edge of the world. And then, to the little dragon's great surprise, they began to feel tired. The little dragon yawned. George yawned, too. Then what? asked George as his eyes drooped a little closer to closing. The little dragon had finally flown so long and so far, it ran plumb out of energy. Its eyes began to droop. It yawned, and then, as if by magic, the little dragon fell asleep. George yawned again. Then what happened? George's mom stood up and brushed the loose grass off her pants. She walked over to the tire swing and picked up George 
cradling him in her arms, and then she began to walk toward the farmhouse as the sun went down. The little dragon glided through the air on its papery wings, said George's mom, dreaming of flying as it flew and flew. And then the little dragon's mother flew under the little dragon, gently catching the little dragon on her wide back, and Mother Dragon carried Little Dragon home. George did not hear the last little bit of the story, because George had fallen fast asleep in his mother's arms. He was dreaming of flying as she carried him up the porch steps, through the door, up the stairs, and into bed. Good night, little dragon, said George's mom. The story train is rolling on, past the farmhouse and the field of golden wheat, back to the train station. Make sure you're all tucked into your train seat. And if you want to hear more fun stories, search for Go Kid Go wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find them. Come back again. The story train is always on its way to somewhere far, far away. Bye for now. Go Kid Go!